0: All right, this morning we are in Isaiah chapter 55, Isaiah 55 verses 10 to 11, and really I'll be looking at the entire chapter a little bit as we go through, but Isaiah 55 verses 10 and 11, and I read these words, whoop, I went to Psalm, sorry, Isaiah 55, and I'm reading from the New American Standard at the moment, but New American Standard, uh, Isaiah 55, verses 10 to 11. God says this through the prophet Isaiah. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which... I sent it. God's word is powerful, if I could just say. And this morning, I want to encourage you and remind you about the power of God's word. If that were the title of the sermon, the power of God's word. And there are three simple things in this text as a reminder for us. And for some of us, it's like, well, I already knew that. But we need reminding As often is the case in scripture with the prophets and even with the apostles, reminding God's people of the truth and of who God was in their lives and on their behalf. And so we're going to look at that this morning, the power of God's word and three simple reasons, right? So first of all, God's word is powerful. If you look in our text in these verses because of its origin, where it started, where it came from, right? Verse 11 states this. It says, so is my word. That goes out, finish it, from my mouth. It comes from God's mouth. That is where this word originates and where it comes. It comes from God's mouth and it's his mind, it's his character, it's, his, it's who he is, his nature. And it is displayed in his words and it is revealed in his words. And his word comes out from his mouth and God reveals who he is. He reveals who we are and he shows what he wants us to do in response to those things, who he is and who we are. Amen? And when you consider that source, God's word and his words are powerful. I think you're still caged up. God's word is powerful, it's powerful. Absolutely powerful. Let me me give you an illustration. And some of you can relate to this. And one of them, there's two with my dad. Now, one of them, some of you have already heard and I've shared before, but my dad, he, we would get in trouble, right? Whether it was in the yard or whether, and it seemed like we didn't see, my, my dad didn't see us. We were out of his line of sight, right? But he saw us with our shenanigans. And once in a while, we were in the backyard with our brothers and my neighbors, and trust me, we did stuff. Anyway, so... And he somehow would see us, and he knew. And this is, and my dad was not a man of many words. I wish I was more like him. Anyway, um <laughs> who I am. And he saw us, and he knew, and we thought we were all good, and we were doing our thing, and he would just say, with that slight accent, Bobby, Freddy, Tony. Bob, Fred, Tony, right? My, 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 siblings, my brother's. Pedestine! In Ukrainian. And the way he said it, because he didn't say much, and it wasn't that he's screaming his brain out, but it's just his voice. And the tone, it was authoritative and it was commanding. Pedestine in Ukrainian is stop, knock it off. (laughs) Alright? End the matter, if you want to be literal. Pedestine, right? End it, right? And so... We would hear that, and as soon as we heard, we were arrested in in that split second, as soon as you heard my name out of the three, Bobby, Freddy, Tony, Perestine, and it was, you just froze, right? That's how it is with God's voice. His word that goes forth, it is powerful. It is that authoritative. It is that commanding. It commands our attention. It commands the attention of creation, it, attended, it, it commanded your attention. Do you remember at the time that God called you? You just were arrested in your soul and your spirit. And you knew. You were drawn by the Spirit of God. You heard. Your ears were open. And you could not help but stop and listen. And you knew it was the all-authoritative, the ultimate authoritative voice of God that commands us to do what He wants to be done. And we froze. We stopped. We knew we were caught in that moment, right? And it wasn't because we knew that my dad, we were in big trouble. It was that we just better stop because we're not doing a good thing. And my dad cared. That was it. And that was all that it took was him to raise his voice and call us by name and tell us, knock it off. You know, I've shared this before. Both of my parents, we had this habit as... and I some of you may this might be a repeat we had this thing when my parents would tell us to do something or they'd encourage us or to not do something and they would be very give us directives and commands be like ah whatever mom and dad right some of you know this right my mom and dad they came up with it after a while even though they had english was their second language after a little while they got tired of that and they came up with it and they both would say not whatever what i said It still rings in my head to this day. Because it's the truth. And that's what God says. You can't say to God when he gives you a word, whatever. Well, you can, I suppose. You'll, it won't be good. <laughs> whatever. God says, not whatever. What I said. And it is. And it's not going to change. Because I don't change, and I mean what I said. That was the message. And so as soon as they made that response, and after a while, we learned to not say Whatever, Mom. Whatever, Dad. We learned because we knew we would hear, not whatever, what I said. Try it on your kids. It'll work. (laughs) I find one of the most incredible verses in the Bible in Psalm 138 and verse 2. I will bow down before your holy temple and I will praise your name for your love and your faithfulness. Oh, we sang about that today, didn't we? Why? For, for you have exalted above all things your name and your word. How do you make sense of that? What does God mean by that? What is that all about? That, that, that the psalmist would write, I'm going to bow in your temple. I'm going to praise your name because you're, you're full of love and faithfulness. That's who you are, God. And, and it's evidence because you have exalted above everything your name and your word. Your word is exalted even above your name. Above everything, your name and your word are exalted. It's, it's even a, What God is saying, really, in other words, if I could paraphrase for lack of my, you know, I don't know everything, and I, it's hard to articulate, but God says that he'll step down as God if he ever fails to do anything that he has said he would do. But the truth is, because of his faithfulness and his love, he never will and can do that. And so his word is as elevated and as high as he himself because it reveals who he is and it shows who God is. No wonder when you look in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 12, the prophet taught this. He said that God is always watching to see that his word is fulfilled. When God says it, he makes sure as he looks throughout history. That it will come to pass because his purposes and plans will always be fulfilled. No matter, nothing will stop it. Not Satan. Not sin. Not not you. You will not stop God's word from doing what He sent it out to do. We'll get to that in a little bit. But but Jeremiah reminded his his people that God is watching to see it'll happen. His authority is behind it. He's the all all ultimate and he's the ultimate authority when he says it he means it it's going to happen and all of all of god's attributes i want to highlight and i I can highlight just simply this thing that he's all powerful we can agree with that right when we read the bible he's all powerful he's all knowing he knows everything right and now that's it becomes hard for us to understand any of these things but all knowing think about that it's everything everywhere all the time god knows it okay anyway he's unchanging even that is like mind-blowing because of how we change so much and how our circumstances change and how people around us change and our world changes and everything's changing. God does not change. He will never change. By the way, I don't know why you'd want to serve a God who changes. Not reliable, not trustworthy. You never know if He gets fickle about something or even about you and then all of a sudden you're in you're done he's done with you god doesn't work that way he doesn't operate that way he's faithful he's loving and he's all-powerful all-knowing and he's changing he's holy which means he doesn't do things the way we do and he and what he says is always consistent with who he is as he is revealed in the scriptures and what he does right and he does not lie and according to titus chapter 1 verse 2 the apostle paul was writing to titus God does not lie. He cannot lie. He'll never lie. He's not like a man. Makes a comparison between creatures and the all self existent, ever existing God who never lies, who is consistent, unchanging, and faithful. God's word is powerful because of its origin. God himself gave us his words through the prophets and, and, and through, through, through the law, right? And, 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 and the apostles, and we have that. And, and because we have that, we can rely and we see how God has been faithful historically through the word of God. It's powerful because it's God's words, not man's. Secondly, God's word is powerful because of its objective right, of what it does. The context of our scripture includes verse 8 and 9. It includes the whole chapter, right? But look at verse 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. We quote that, and we say that, and we encourage each other as a reminder, because There are situations and things that we find ourselves in that we are like, God, how can this possibly be? And then we remind ourselves that the sovereign God is the one whose ways are not like ours. They're higher, they're greater. His thoughts are way beyond ours, and he knows what he's doing, and he's got a plan. And so we encourage ourselves. My thoughts are not yours, neither are my ways your ways. But let's go back to verses 1 to 5. I know we didn't read it, but let's let's go back to verses 1 to 5. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me. Requires words, right? And eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you according to the faithful mercies shown to David. Behold, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you will call a nation you do not know, and a nation which knows you not will run to you because of the Lord your God, even the Holy One of Israel, for He has glorified you. And there's there's history there with with the nation of Israel and ultimately the Messiah in the line of David, David, in the line of David with the Messiah coming. And that's what's going on in this context in chapter 55 as well. That there's a salvation appeal and a call here. There's an invitation that's going on in verses 5. There is a verbal invitation in verses 1 to 5 to His salvation, His redemption see there are three things that he offers here in these in this verse he offers water then he offers wine because you're all listening and then he offers milk water wine and why why water wine and milk of all things why why does he offer that why is he offering water wine and milk well, what, what's the deal? Because here's water is the absolute necessity for the source of life. You need water. Without water, there's no life. You need water. And, and it's a picture of what God is offering. He's offering the wells of salvation of you. Will you find that expression later on in the prophet Isaiah. But then you think of John chapter 7 and Jesus who on that, that feast, He gets up on the last day and He says there in, in, in verse 37, He says, hey, if anyone is thirsty... Man, come to me. I'll give you water. He says, if anyone who believes, as the Scripture says, from his innermost beings, right, streams of living water will flow, you will drink, you will receive, and then you will also, it will overflow so much that you can give to others. It is salvation. It is life. It is life-giving to the soul, the spirit. It makes us alive. It is God's well of salvation through Christ Jesus. He is the source of that living water, right? Right? But he makes an invitation, uh, and that's water. And then there's the wine. Why the wine? He doesn't say to buy and drink of the wine to get drunk. That's prohibited in Scripture. Did you know that? I just want to remind some of you of that. It's prohibited. It's not the way of Christ to live in drunkenness, right? You don't drink wine to get drunk. But the thing is, the wine is here. Why? And even the Proverbs talk about that because wine is a source of joy now we're now we're getting a little crazy here right it gets we almost we almost walking on that line don't get drunk but it's a source of joy no it, it says it, there, there's an invitation in the old testament that it does something to you right because it does right but it's a picture of the joy that is offered through jesus christ not to drink physical wine, but to come and drink of Christ who brings you that joy. He has come to give it life and to give it more abundantly. And John said in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 4 that, that he writes these things about the Messiah and the assurance that we have in our salvation of him so that our joy as believers would be made Complete right so it's made complete it's full and overflowing and there's joy there that we have in our relationship with god because of jesus christ and through christ and he offers that wine there's joy in that salvation right and then there's milk what is milk milk is necessary for growth and development especially for for babies and young people right but for anyone milk doesn't hurt you i don't like milk got to be honest with you right? I think milk is for cows, not for people, but that's my own commentary. But but milk is good for you, right? The calcium, the vitamins, everything in it, it's good for you, right? Without the additives that they put on the farm right but the milk is good for you and and it's, it's encouraged and peter says you should drink and crave that pure milk of god's word why so you grow and develop you want that milk you want the words of god to nourish you to grow you to strengthen you to sustain you and that your roots go deep so then ultimately because you're developing and growing you produce fruit right amen and so so he is offering here water wine and milk Right, life itself, joy that comes with Christ and, and his, the wells of salvation that come through Christ, and milk that sustenance and strength that comes with the Word of God itself when we ingest and take it in and listen and then obey. Now glance at verses six to nine and notice, and notice, in no uncertain terms, the contrast of God's ways and man's ways. They are very different. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord and he will have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. And here's that verse we read earlier. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. There's a contrast. My ways are not your ways, declares the Lord. For as high as the heavens are, as the heavens are higher than the earth. So my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts this is a picture again that highlights especially in verse 7 in our in our in our text here the truth that the roadblock the roadblock right to god the roadblock to our relationship the roadblock to salvation is not a mental one it's not mental or a logical or a rational or a reasonable one it's not it you know what the roadblock to god is and his salvation is it's a moral one. It's a moral one. It's moral. It's a moral thing. You can reason with anybody all you want, and yes, you should, and we ought to. We give a reason, and we share the gospel, but it is the word of God because it stands on its own, and it's powerful, and Paul said that it's the gospel of salvation, his words, right? It is powerful. It saves, and so when we share the word of God, we remember that it's not a mental one. Could there be one? That's there. Sure. But it's the ultimate thing is it's a moral block. And you know what it's called? It's called sin. It's right here. Jesus is being offered or God is being offered salvation, more specifically in this context, right? To the nation of Israel, but it's also future. And he's offering this salvation. And he says, this is all that you can have. You don't need to work your way, your ways to try to earn it, to work for it. You're trying to Save up enough money to buy whatever it is, but it all falls short. You don't need money. There's no price. Come, eat the bread. Come, water, wine, milk. Get it all. It's all there for your offering. If you're thirsty, come and get it. But here's the roadblock it's a moral one. There is no thirst because men love sin and darkness rather than light and righteousness. It's the block. It's the block. And yet God's word is powerful. It's powerful because of its objective to do what He wants it to do. His ways are all higher. And sometimes we don't understand when we share the gospel why everyone just doesn't get saved. It's God's word. It's because God has a purpose and a plan. Right? I'll get to that in a moment. God's plan of salvation is not humanly devised. It's not Mu- and the wickedness and the sin in verse 7 it must be forsaken and when it's forsaken there is a thirst for the living water for wine and for milk when you forsake that in fact the apostle paul wrote in galatians chapter 1 verses 11 to 12 this is what he said for i would have you know brethren that the gospel was preached by me that was preached by me is not according to man That gospel could not have been concocted or formed or made by the mind of men or men or the Jewish leaders. It was God's plan from the beginning. That plan of salvation is amazing, beautiful. It's free. Well, it came at a price, but it's free. It's incredible, but it's not according to man, that gospel. The word of the good news that goes out is not according to man. It came from God through revelation, Paul says in verse 12. It's God's idea. It's God's plan. It's God's purposes for His Word from the beginning. God wants to reveal Himself to you and to me. We know that. If you're a Christian, you know that. And His plan, and also His plan to us. And once we believe it, He reminds us of it over and over and over again. over and over and over that it's powerful that its objective was to reach us to save us to cause us to see our need for a savior the law was words and the law still pointed to the fact that we need a savior the messiah named jesus who ultimately paid the price for us got an amazing plan oh there's so much more to it we don't have time to talk about that right now god's word is amazing, and. And God reveals that plan to us, reminds us, and it's by His Word, according to His wisdom, His power, and His plan. Amen. That's it. Recall creation, if you, if you would just a minute, if you're familiar. Recall creation, according to the Bible. The, the real account of creation, right? God simply spoke it into being. Yes. And amen. And He spoke it into being, And it was. That's it. Plain and simple. Right? God said, let there be this, and there was. Bobby Pedestine. And I stopped. Because he commanded it and he spoke it. I heard him. And he spoke to nothingness. And there was something. That's God's word. That's powerful. Right? Because the origin is from God's mouth itself. And its objective is to save and to redeem. And everything was perfect at creation. And then, of course, there are issues because of sin, imperfection, fallenness, rebellion, not wanting to forsake wicked ways, right? But God keeps revealing His plan over and over and over through Moses and the prophets and throughout the Old Testament all the way to Jesus who came and He was the Logos. He was the Word of God. The Word made flesh walking on this earth, speaking the words of God and being the exact representation of who God was according to Colossians chapter 1. And the Scriptures themselves, Paul says to Timothy, are inspired, and that word in the Greek is they are God-breathed. They are God's own words that were given to the prophets and the apostles. Now, if you have a moment, I want to encourage you. In Psalm 33, it's a great psalm. Psalm 33, I'm not going to read it, but I'm going to put Psalm 33 is a wonderful summation of God's objective of creating and then saving. That's the objective of God's plan and His Word ultimately. He knew it all along. I know, we can get into all kinds of theological discussions about the fall and everything else, right? But God had a plan and His Word stood firm and it still stands and it will always stand. So God's Word is powerful because of its objective. It will do what God wants it to do and behind it all is God's redemption, plan of redemption to redeem creation. How that looks... God knows. I don't know it fully, but God knows. Thirdly, and lastly, God's word is powerful because of its output. In other words, what it produces, what it yields. What is your output? What is, are what is the numbers, the figures that come out when you get reports in the office or financials? What's the output of the production? What, do, what did it yield? What came out? What are the numbers? Show me what's going on. How, what, if, I, if I put in 10 bucks, am I getting 100 back? Am I getting 10 cents back? And you know, I want to know what the output is. And God's word is powerful because it has an incredible, incredible level of output. Now, verses 10 to 11, we already read this, but it says, For as high as the, for as the rain and snow come down from heaven, and do not return there without watering the earth, and making it bare and sprout, and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the water, So shall my word. He's not saying my word might. If my word really takes root, if my word really, if I really mean it when I said it. No, my word shall. My word shall be this way, which goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty. It will always do what I want it to do. Always. Always do what I want it to do. And in verses 12 to 13, he says, "...for you will go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth into shouts of joy before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush, the cypress will come up, and instead of the nettle, the myrtle will come up. And it will be a memorial to the Lord for an everlasting sign which will not be cut off." That's a picture, and this is a picture of the Messiah, but also this is a picture of the millennial reign. For those of you who are believers and and you know the end times, when when Jesus comes, and if I could put it this way, He sets up shop for a thousand years on this earth with His people. thousand years until before we go forever to be with Him. And He's reigning here, and it's a picture, and it's going to be the culmination of all that His Word has put out and He's promised, and it's going to all culminate there. It's going to all be a reality and he's already speaking over here in isaiah 700 years before jesus even came onto the earth and god incarnate and he's already making this promise that one day one day when history is coming to a close there will be a thousand year reign and things that looked dead dry impossible the nation of israel will be redeemed god's people are redeemed and brought together and they will rule and reign on the earth for a thousand years it's powerful stuff it's powerful stuff It always yields what it will do, right? It's always in line with God's plan, which is higher than yours or mine. How many times have you tried to dictate or insert into God's very words what His plan ought to be? Never. Not even in some distant thought. Never, right? His ways are way higher. His thoughts are greater and higher than yours. Will ever be... And he's got a great plan. It shall not return to be empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. I remind you as well of Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 35. Jesus said, Heaven and earth will pass away. It's all going away. It's going to be gone one day. not going to last forever. And it cannot last forever. And he says, But my words shall not pass away away they stand they will happen they will come to be fulfilled and come to be a reality and to be truth in 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 whatever context you are in the future god's word will not pass away and he remains true to his word as the rain and the snow come from heaven You know, in verse 10, that reminds me of the parable of the sower. Actually, I think of the parable of the sower. I think of the the, the, the water cycle too, right? It rains, it evaporates, goes into clouds, comes back down, the whole process repeats, and we have things growing. and and, 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 And even the prophet said here in Isaiah 55, there's seed that is produced, and now there's something for the sower to throw out. And then you harvest it, and there's bread, and then it starts all over again, but it's all because the water came down. Right? It accomplished its purpose, and there's so much more that happens as a result of that whole water cycle, that, price, that process there. And so, I'm going to read to you. I, I don't know where I, where I found this, but it says, the verse 10 begins with the word for, indicating that my ways are much higher than your ways in this manner. First, God paints this wonderful metaphor, right? Which portrays, which portrays the providence of God. Water like rain and snow, is coming down from heaven fully under God's control. I love the language in Job when he writes about how creation works, operates, and subjects itself and and, and follows God's command whenever He gives it. For when the goat is born, when the mountain sheep is born, for when the rains come down, when the hail comes down, God determines that and He dictates when that happens. Job writes about that in the latter portion of that that book. And, And it's amazing. So it's under God's control. Then before the water evaporates and returns to the hands of God, if you will, it waters the earth and causes it to sprout forth all kinds of plants. And it brings forth seed for the sower and bread for the eater. We can't help but think of the spiritual implications of water, right? And seed, and the sower, the bread, and the eater. I like to eat. We can't help but think of the spiritual implications of water, right? Again, in other passages of the Bible, water represents the gospel that flows like water from those whom God has saved and sent out to preach the gospel. Such an evangelist is compared to a sower who sows seeds into a field. According to Matthew 13, the seed represents the word of the kingdom or the gospel, and it provides bread for the eater, ultimately, right? When someone hears the preaching of the gospel and becomes saved, he or she becomes an eater of the word of God. The Bible is the word of God, and it provides the bread of life for those who partake of it. Amen? And when the water re- then the water returns into the hands of God and the process starts all over again. All of a sudden, before long, you look next to you and you see another eater of God's Word. It's a beautiful picture. God's Word has incredible output. As I close, God's Word is powerful because of its origin. It's powerful because of its objective in doing whatever God wants to. It to do for His glory and ultimately for our redemption. And it's powerful and its output. Its yield is incredible. So, so here's the thing. So what do we do? Wh- what do we do? I'll, 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 I'll tell you what we do. Let's go to the Bible so that it's not me. Let's go to Ecclesiastes chapter 11. And now we'll know what to do. Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Not my words. The word of God, God's words, God's desire, God's intent, what God wants us to do as we leave this morning. Ecclesiastes 11, verses 3 through 6. Here's what Solomon wrote If the clouds are full, they pour out rain upon the earth. And whether a tree falls toward the south or toward the north, wherever the tree falls, there it lies. Very profound. He who watches the wind will not sow, and he who looks at the clouds will not reap. Just as you do not know the path of the wind and how bones are formed in the womb of the pregnant woman, so you do not know the activity of God who makes all things. Sow your seed in the morning, and do not be idle in the evening. For you do not know whether morning or evening sowing will lead to success, or whether both of them alike will be good. So, what do we do? What do we do? With this powerful word of God, what do we do? Sow it, give it out. Share it. Tell others. God knows how to take care of it. It's His Word, and it never go, comes back without accomplishing what He wants it to do. I want to be a little practical here, and I want to share what happened last night at the mission. I love going to the mission. Because it's just... Anyway. All right. Stop. we were concluding our chapel time. And... Um, Dave shared a little message, and it was, it was really good. And, and we prayed afterwards, and then people started coming up some wanted Bibles. We had some, some, some good books to give out about walking with Christ and so on and so forth. And people were taking some stuff, and one guy came up to me. And I noticed that while Dave was speaking, I was sitting on the side. He was, he was attentive, but he was kind of like, squirming a little bit. So when he came up to me, and by the way, his name was Jesus. I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. Um, he's from Puerto Rico. He came up. And he started telling me, point-blank terms, a confirmation of the Word of God and that it will always accomplish what God sets it out to you to do. And it's not what you think at all. It was amazing, right? So he comes up to me and he starts talking to me. He says this, he goes, you know, when you talk to people here at the mission and you tell them about accepting Christ and what the gospel is and all that, he says, that's great, don't ever stop doing that. And then he started telling me about his own story. And he started by saying this. He told me what verse 7 says, but the opposite. He said, I don't want to change. He said, I like my alcohol. So these, these are his words. I like it. I don't want to change. I know. I used to go to church and I even know the Bible. And he's quoting Scripture. He knows the Bible. But I don't want to change right now. Because I like it. I don't want to change. It's destroying my life, but I don't want to change. Those are his own words. And my heart breaks. And God's heart breaks. And God loves him. And God loves me. Loves He does. God wants him to come to him and to be set free. He says, I know the way and I can tell you about the way, but I I will not change. Those are my words. Those are his words. I promise you. He told me that looking in my eye. We talked for almost 10 minutes. And yet in that moment, in that moment, I know without a shadow of a doubt that the word that was delivered in that service was not in vain that the songs we sang about God's salvation and faithfulness were not in vain. The Gospel went forward. We sowed seeds of the Word of God of the Gospel. And you know what? I know it was not a waste because in our conversation, His heart and His head were stirred. That's God's purpose for that moment. I don't know where He's going to end up in eternity. God does. I certainly want him to come to Christ. And I even asked him, I don't want it right now. I don't don't want to change the way I am. I don't want it. He's honest. That's truth. He's honest. He doesn't want it right now. But he knows that he should, but he does not want to. And his heart and his head were stirred. And the word of God's purpose was to remind him that Once he decides he wants to change, the invitation in verses 1-5 to of water, wine, and milk are free for the taking when he forsakes his wicked ways. The Word of God did something. I was encouraged as much as I want him to walk back into the kingdom and turn to God. I was encouraged because God's word always accomplishes what he sends it out to do. The word revealed his unwillingness to change and his hard heart. The time will come when he will. Amen? Lord, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for your word. It's powerful. It transforms us. It changes us. It convicts us. It reveals who we are. Soft, submitted, surrendered, hard-headed, hard-hearted, and stubborn. It does that. And I thank you, Lord, that as we go to sow your word we have the assurance 100% and the confidence that your word is powerful because it's your word from your mouth. Your gospel, not man's gospel. Your way of salvation, not man's way of salvation. Thank God. And Lord, its objective is always to reveal who we are, who you are, and to bring us to redemption. And I thank you, Lord, that the yield is always greater than we think but remind us that it's always in your time. Help us to be faithful and not look at our circumstances or situations as Ecclesiastes told us, but help us, Lord, to just sow whenever and wherever we can because your word never comes back to you without fulfilling its purpose. And we thank you for it. To you be all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.